Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. You're close when I'm in the fire, Lord. You're near when the flames overwhelm. I gave this message the Sunday I returned from a terribly needed sabbatical. During the six months previous to my time away, our church had been through a very difficult season, one from which I barely survived as a pastor. The things that I share in this teaching were part of how the Lord restored and renewed me. I know the title sounds a little dismal, dying right, but it really isn't as dark as all that. I'm not talking about the kind of dying that's at the end of living, but the kind of dying that leads to real living right here on earth as followers of Jesus. And it's based on the experience that the two thieves that were crucified on either side of Jesus on Golgotha had, and how one of them benefited that day, and the other one didn't. I hope it helps. While you're turning to Luke 23, um, in another place, in Mark's Gospel... Jesus on the cross, the centurion, it says of the centurion that he saw how he died. Let's say that. He saw how he died. He saw how he died and said, surely this man is the Son of God. He saw how he died. I'm sure that uh, uh, centurion had seen a lot of people die on crosses. But he saw how Jesus died. And this, see, this one died differently. He died right. He died right in front of everybody else there. And at least that one, that man's the centurion, had his eyes and his ears open to what was going on. He saw how he died. I want to talk about two other guys that saw how he died. Uh, Two other guys that I'm going to call them Bill and Bob. Is that okay with you, Bill and Bob? These are good Jewish names, right? Bill and Bob. Uh, We'll call them Better Bill and Bitter Bob. Okay, so Better Bill. Better Bill and Bitter Bob saw Jesus die. They had front row seats. They had the best seats in the house. Guys on either side of him. Thieves in the cross. Next to him. Saw the whole thing. They, you know, Jesus died first among the three. So they saw it from beginning to end. Nobody heard all the words as well as these guys did. And I, I wanted to talk about these guys uh, because it seems like one of them really saw and the other one really didn't see much. One changed and one didn't change. So let's read about it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse, starting with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that interesting? Right next to, well, he's got a thief on his right and a thief on his left. And the first thing Jesus says, it's almost like Luke wanted to make sure that we knew that they heard these words. They heard all seven of the words, but they, they, they heard these uh, first, at least in Luke's account. Father, forgive them. It's not overrated, is it? Forgiveness isn't overrated. How many of you are glad that Jesus forgives you? Amen. And uh, for they don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood there watching and the rulers even 
sneered at him and they said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. That's, that's bitter Bob. But the other criminal, who in the other gospel said started mocking him earlier, but now has changed his mind, verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We're punished justly for we're getting what our de deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. They're both on crosses. And, and I'll just here's what I want you to get here. So this, there's no mystery to this, okay? Are you on a cross right now? In other words, is God requiring a death from you right now? Do you know what I mean by that? Dying, in other words, dying to, I don't know, an attitude? Dying uh, to uh, a habit? Uh, dying to a sin? Dying to a, a, a dream, a vision, a, a, a relationship? Sometimes he requires crosses of us. See, I, I don't mean dying right in the sense of uh, the kind of dying uh, where it's the end of living. I'm talking about the kind of dying that leads to living right here in this world where you, you die to something. The kind of dying that Paul was referring to when he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. That's the kind of dying I'm talking about. Or in Romans 6, he says, consider, your, consider yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Uh, the kind of death that he said, that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. That's the kind of dying I'm talking about right now, okay? Um, and both Bob and Bill began by blaming everybody else. They began that way. By blame shifting, putting their angst onto somebody else and... and Cursing Jesus and the people are, that's all your fault. You know, I am. That's how they did it all their lives was to blame other people. And Jesus was available. So they, they started hassling him. It's a shame too because dying right for those guys that day would have meant resurrection on the other side. It did mean resurrection for Bill but not for Bob because Bob didn't ever really get it. You know, this was a divinely concocted crucifixion for these guys. All crucifixions are divinely concocted. He, meant, he means it. See, the, the way to live the Christian life is not to just really buck up and try harder. It's dying so that you can have resurrection power to live the Christian life. Christian life's not hard to live. It's impossible. And you can't live it, so what he had to do to you to get you out of the way was kill you so that you could then, and I don't mean physically, I mean in this way that we choose to, to, uh, to die to our own aspirations and die to our own great self-help abilities and so on and consider ourselves dead indeed unto some sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so here's these guys crucified right next to the right dyer, the guy who dies right, to teach them how to die right. He dies right in front of them.
And uh, so they have this firsthand experience, front row seats. God reserved them the best seat in the house. Talk about love. I mean, he really loves them enough to give them a great example of how to die right. He's really reaching out to these guys. God strategically planted Bill and Bob there next to him so that they would get it. Wow, there's something different about this dyer than all the other, different than all the other dyers I've seen. But one wasted it, and the other, wasted his crucifixion. Dude, it's a bummer when you waste a crucifixion. I have wasted a bunch of my crosses. I wasted a bunch of them because I complained through it. I didn't see God's hand in it. I blamed other people. I blame shifted. It's their fault. Rather than receive the crucifixion so that I could have resurrection, I wasted a crucifixion. And that's a bummer because crucifixions are always painful, right? And so if you waste it, got to have another one. You got to do it again. So, and I'm not saying if you don't waste it, you'll never have to do it again because it's not that way. Somebody said to me one time, when were you broken? I said, I don't know which month are you talking about? How many times? I mean, it's not a one-time thing. Are you wasting your crucifixion? Or if you're being, uh, if you're in a place right now of being crucified? How many things did Jesus say on the cross? We, uh, we do Good Friday services around these. Seven, we have seven. One of them's right here in this passage. He puts it right next to telling us about the guys here, Bill and Bob. But they were a few, few feet away from the guy who was saying these things. They didn't miss a, I'm sure they didn't miss a word. Father, forgive them. A woman, here's your, behold your son, son, your, your mother. Uh, I thirst. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me in these things? It is finished. Uh, see, uh, with, with Bob, he, he blame-shifted, and he, he didn't get the, the thing out of the crucifixion he was supposed. He wasn't broken by what he saw. He missed the resurrection as a result. You know, they tempted Jesus to cut his crucifixion short. You remember the story? Well, we read a little bit about it. Come on, if you're the Son of God, come on down off the cross. And uh, do you think, now Bob is, is the bitter one, okay? So do you think Bob, had he been given that opportunity... Uh, would have taken it to come off the cross, cut the suffering short. How many of you think he would have come? Done. I'm off the cross. But then he would have missed the resurrection because you don't get one until you die. Resurrection is one of those funny things. I don't know. It's really complex and all. If you don't die, you don't get raised. And a lot of us just live with such paltry spiritual power. I'm sure there's a thousand reasons, so don't let me... Uh, give you the impression I'm saying it's simple. I'm sure there are, well, probably is simple, but I'm sure there are a thousand reasons, but one of the reasons we live with such paltry spiritual power and don't have much resurrection hanging out around our lives is why. We just don't really ever finish a cross. We're always jumping off of it and blaming and getting ticked off at the people who God used to put us on the cross. Because, I mean, it took people to get him on, these people on the cross, Right? It takes people. God didn't just lift them up and put them there. God used people to get them there. So that's kind of part of the deal, right? Because these dirty, rotten people that put me on this cross, that's what we get fixated on and, and, and then don't talk to our siblings for 60 years, for an example. I mean, that's just, that's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
So it seemed like a very bad day for Bob. Do you think, you know, he's hanging there on the cross. This is a bad day. But frankly, it's his best day. It's, his best, it's the best day he's ever had. It's the biggest opportunity he's ever had. He could have gone down in history uh, with Bill as the guy who learned how to die right. That's how we could have known him, as the guy who learned how to die right. But right now, we just know him as the guy who complained and blame shifted and, and t- got ticked off about the whole deal. And so Bill says to him, we're getting what we deserved. This guy didn't do anything wrong. We're getting what we deserved. He saw the right way to die. Something happened. He started mocking, but something happened that changed his attitude about it. Now, I am way into evangelism. Don't get me wrong. I had some cool opportunities to share the Lord in Mexico. Jammed in, in like a taxi, you know, with about 14 more people than should have been in that back seat of that Nissan Sentra. Going, so dude, do you, do you, you know, do you know Jesus? You know, and we had this incredible, you know, lots of conversations over uh, in church courtyards, you know, and I'm taking pictures of the priest going in with his entourage and a guy from Chihuahua uh, was telling me his, about his city and, and such, but we were kind of watching religion happen and sharing, uh, you know, relation. Oh, we just had lots of great, I'm into evangelism. And I'm also love it when God does cool miracles to to substantiate the evangelistic message and convinces people by healing them and doing some really incredible thing. You know, I, I love that. I just, that's the coolest thing. But that wasn't happening for this guy at all. There was no miracles. He had his heart changed. He had his mind changed, but it wasn't by a miracle of like healing or, you know, you'd think, well, God, you know, I want to be, don't we often want to be God's uh, little helpers, uh, but God's like promotion PR people. We want to be God's PR people and say, okay, now, you probably haven't thought about this, Lord, but a very cool thing right now is if these two guys, in fact, if all three of them were able to jump off the cross, I mean, it would make a huge, this would be hot. And so not only would they all get saved, but the rest of the town, see, we just don't get it. We really don't get it. And so God sometimes doesn't do miracles. He just changes the heart by somebody dying in front of them right. Hmm. I wonder if I'd lead more people to the Lord if I just died better and if I died in front of people a little bit better. I wonder if they'd see something without, and I'm still praying for the miracles, don't get me wrong, I'm into the, you know, the power of evangelism, but sometimes the power of evangelism is just us dying right in front of people and so then they see Jesus in us and, and change and get a revelation like this guy did. Bill got it. He totally did. His, his heart changed. And it's, it's interesting, he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 41, this man has done nothing wrong. How does he know that? I mean, as far as we know, he never saw Jesus before. I mean, maybe he did. He grew up in the neighborhood, I don't know. But I'm thinking, possibly not. How does he know he's done nothing wrong? He just watched him die right. And he figured, dude, a guy that can die like this has probably done nothing wrong. Because there was a revelation that he got by Jesus dying right in front of him. And, and I love his prayer. This is a great prayer. Don't you think it's a great prayer? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. First of all, kingdom. Okay, you see the picture. They're all dying on crosses. What a strange thing to say to a guy dying on a cross that he's got a kingdom. That is just the weirdest thing. I mean, he's got a tomb awaiting him, but a kingdom? How do you look at that and, ex- and say you have a kingdom? 
because he saw him dying right. He saw the spirit in which he died. He says, you got a kingdom. I don't know when it's coming, but if you just, and I like his request. He's not really even asking for much. He's just saying, I don't want to be forgotten. So please remember me. You come into your kingdom, just, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be too late for favors, but I don't know. But just remember, just don't forget me. Well, Jesus was happy to grant that request and a lot more, right? A lot more than just don't forget me. But he wasn't presumptuous in his prayer. Just don't forget me. He found out the right way to die, the right way to hang on a cross. And see, a lot of people were there and a lot of people saw, but only one really saw. Are you going to be the next one to see it, to get it, to watch Jesus and have it modeled to you about how to sacrificially die? Not like die in somebody else's place. You, you can't do any of that. You're not God. You're not a little Christ, but you but he does require a cross of you. Because here's the deal. This is the good news, and I'm, I'm, I'm just almost done. To say, there's a resurrection for people that die right. There's a resurrection. It doesn't end with a cross, right? It's not just all about the cross. That is the thing. In, in Latin America, all the sculptures, all of the uh, jewelry, everything still has Jesus on the cross. Well, you remember now. You, remember, you read the rest of the book, right? The rest of the story. Just read another page or two. Please, don't stop there. He, he came out of the grave, right? He's alive and he's well. And, and, and that's what happens to people who experience that same kind of crucifixion. Not a sacrificial one, but one in which God requires us to die to ourselves and our plans and our powers. And, and so there's resurrection available to those who, who uh, will die in the right way. See, because if God... See, crucifixion... Is God's invitation to resurrection. If he wants you to experience resurrection, what he's inviting you to is a cross. A lot of times we think God's inviting me to great power. I'm going to have a lot of power in my life. God's inviting. He spoke to me. He's going to give me a lot of power. He's inviting me, you know. And I, I always just want to step back a couple of steps. Good. Good. That's good. You go, you go head on on that. You know, good luck with that. What that means is if he's inviting them to greater resurrection power, he's inviting them to a cross. There's going to be death involved. But that death leads to glorious resurrection power. Consider yourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that's how he says it. Crucifixion is kind of that portal. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not, not everybody here, God is requiring a specific kind of challenge like this, but some I think he is. I know he is with me. I'm telling you, I'm going kicking and screaming a lot of the time here. I'm not dying right very well. I, it's a, I've signed up for the class, though, Dying Right 101. And so I'm just in the class, and I haven't, sometimes I haven't even made up my mind whether or not I'm really going to even finish the class. Do you ever do that, sign up for a class, you go... Let's just see what they require. You know what I mean? That first day, it's cool because they lay it out. I hate it when those teachers don't lay it out, what they're going to do this semester. And they're the smart ones because they're not, you know, they're the ones that are, uh, are, are going to trick you into a 50-page paper and, you know, 37 finals and all the rest of that. So I've signed up for the class, the co-crucifixion class, and I'm just seeing what he, re but I really want to, I really want to finish this class. Do you? You want to sign up for the class and then finish it and let God really have his way to 
change you from the inside out and give you resurrection. I just don't know if there's any alternatives. You know what? I'm going to pray about it this week and search the scripture. And if I can find another way than this way, I'm totally here next week telling you all about it because I'm with you on this. There's a way that we don't have to do this. But I don't think we're going to find it. I don't think it's there. You're close when I'm in the fire, Lord. You're near when the flames overwhelm. 